Jaws. We're going to keep all that in, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm Chelsea, and I love true crime. And I'm David, and I love horror movies. And this is based on a true, true crime. crime. So this week is Shark Week. This week being the week that we're recording, not the week that you're listening to this. So you might have just missed Shark Week. Sadly. By a lot, it could be Christmas in your life. <laughs> so our obvious choice for Shark Week is Jaws, which is sort of based on a couple true stories. But like Sharknado. Yeah. Well, maybe it's uh, predicting the future. Climate change. Could be. I guess before we get into the discussion of the true story that maybe inspired bits of Jaws, I just want to talk about our collective fear of sharks. So I grew up in New Jersey, actually right near the coast, and I would say sharks are pretty prevalent fear in that area. David grew up in the Midwest. He was not afraid of sharks, or so he claims. Yeah, just sharknadoes because they're in Tornado Alley in the Midwest. That's true. So why are we afraid of sharks? Probably the teeth, (laughs) possibly their creepy dead eyes. But actually, I would say the biggest reason, at least that I was afraid of sharks growing up, was actually Jaws itself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's true for a lot of people. You know, there was a time when, and I'll talk about this more a little bit later, but there was a time when we were really not afraid of sharks as a society. Everyone kind of believed that shark attacks did not happen at the coast, particularly in like northern states. But sharks have been known to prey on victims of boat accidents and plane accidents that happen out in open waters. So the really famous speech in Jaws about the USS Indianapolis, that is a true story. It didn't happen in June. It actually happened July 30th, 1945, shortly after midnight. And the USS Indianapolis had just dropped off the atomic bomb components to a naval base in the Pacific. And they were sailing towards the Philippines when two Japanese torpedoes struck the ship and they caused a chain reaction, exploding 3,500 gallons of aviation fuel and just ripped the boat in two. So there were 1,196 men aboard the vessel and 900 of them actually survived that initial explosion. Oh, wow. Okay. And, you know, we're floating in the water amidst the debris. Okay. So my math's bad. What do we have with the survivors then? (laughs) Well, uh, the explosion of the ship, the fact that there was a lot of injured, bloody people in the water kind of thrashing around, it attracted uh, oceanic white tip sharks. Ooh, that sounds bad. Yeah. They were described by Jacques Cousteau as, quote, the most dangerous of all sharks. So move over, great white shark. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) That's another thing. Yeah, great white shark. I think that specific fear, all jaws. So the sharks initially were attracted to and eating the floating dead bodies, but eventually the the movement of the survivors did attract sharks and 
just more and more sharks. It was essentially a feeding frenzy. The survivors weren't all killed by sharks. Actually, not even most of them were killed by sharks. It was exposure to the heat and also thirst and salt poisoning. So people would kind of be driven insane by the experience and just started drinking salt water. They were out there for four days. I mean, that's is a crazy. long time. Yeah. yeah. No but they do estimate that anywhere between a few dozen to 150 of the sailors were killed by sharks specifically. And only 317 survived of the 900 that made it into the water. So oh, gee whiz. one in three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Corporal Edgar Harrell said of the experience, quote, you hear a blood curdling scream and then the body would go under and then the life vest popped back up. Which is just it's like a visual out of Jaws. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so you could kind of see where Quint would be absolutely traumatized by that experience. Yeah, I wouldn't like even wash my hands after that. Yeah. That's the story of the USS Indianapolis, which is featured in that famous speech given by Quint in the film. But there's actually another shark attack that I want to talk about. And it's mentioned also in the film by Brody when he's trying to convince Amity's mayor to shut down the beach. And this is the Jersey Shore shark attacks of 1916. My home state, actually my home county, Monmouth County, is where four of the five attacks took place. So the story is near and dear to my heart in that I hate sharks. <laughs> I don't actually hate sharks. No, I, yeah. Anytime yeah. you have like a, an event that happens close to home like that, mm -hmm. uh, that inspires a movie like Jaws, that's, I feel a connection to that. Yeah. And I feel like I definitely had some understanding you know, growing up all through high school. My summer job was working on the boardwalk. And so much of the economy of the Jersey Shore really relies on tourists. So you know, even though Amity's mayor is a complete douche, <laughs> you can kind of see where he's coming from, you know, when there's some question as to whether it's really a shark. So the uh, New Jersey shark attacks occurred between July 1st and July 12th of 1916. And five people were attacked and one, there's actually one survivor. So the first attack took place on July 1st in Beach Haven, which is kind of in South Jersey, right on the coast. And this was Charles Epting Vasant who was 25, was the victim. And he was there on vacation with his family. He went for a quick swim with his dog before dinner. And shortly after entering the water, he was attacked. At first, the bystanders thought that he was calling to his dog, but then they actually realized that he was screaming. Were they like, his dog's name is Help? <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible name for a dog. Yeah. That's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. So the shark uh, was actually biting his leg and he was rescued by a lifeguard and a bystander, but the shark did too much damage. This was 1916. So there's only so much you can do. And so it he... basically stripped his left thigh of flesh and oh, then wow. he bled out oh. at the, the hotel. They got back to the hotel, on, but he passed away. So the next attack took place on July 6th in Spring Lake, New Jersey. This is very close to where I grew up. Oh, and it's like right by the 4th of July. Yeah. As well. 
Yeah, Asbury Park. Um, so this is north of Beach Haven in Monmouth County. And the victim from this attack is Charles Bruder. He's 27. He's from Switzerland. And he was a bell captain at the Essex and Sussex Hotel. He was swimming about 130 yards from the beach. So f- about 400 feet, which is pretty far. I would never go out that far personally because of sharks. <laughs> And he was bit in the abdomen and legs. And what I read was that a woman heard screams and she saw in the water a capsized canoe with a red hull. And I'm pretty sure he was not out there in a canoe. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's kind of like a side bite to kind of puncture Mm. his abdomen and then... Yeah. Bite further down on the leg. Yeah. Um, so he was also rescued by lifeguards, Chris Anderson and George White, and they pulled him from the water, but he didn't even survive the trip back to the shore. He actually died on the water. So, yeah. <laughs> sad. Uh, no, it Goddamn is sad. Goddamn serial killing sharks. <sighs> yeah. So the last attacks actually on three people took place on July 12th. And this really freaked me out because these attacks actually took place in Matawan Creek. So a man-eating shark in a creek. Yeah, it's where just like it's, nowhere is nowhere uh, sacred. Is that partial <laughs> like salt salt and fresh? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and I'll get into that discussion a little bit when we talk about potentially what kind of shark it was. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there were three attacks in Matawan Creek. The first two actually took place at the same location. And this is kind of a, a bummer. So this was at a Wyckoff Dock, which is in Matawan, which is kind of near Keyport, New Jersey. This is north of Spring Lake. So it's kind of like the shark is traveling up along the coast and then suddenly cuts inland in this creek. So actually prior to the attack, uh, Thomas Cottrell, who is a sea captain who lived in Matawan, said he saw an eight foot long shark in the creek, but he was dismissed. And then at 2 p.m. on July 12th, a group of local boys playing in the creek spotted what they thought was um, maybe an old log or a beaten board. And then they saw the fin and realized it was a shark. So they tried to climb out of the water, but the shark grabbed 11-year-old Lester Stillwell before he could get out and dragged him underwater. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Each of those are terrifying. Yeah. So they, the boys ran to get help and they found Watson Stanley Fisher, who was 24, and told him what happened. He didn't believe that it was a shark attack and actually Stillwell had epilepsy. So he thought maybe the boy had like a seizure and had fallen into the creek underwater. And that the water then bit him. Yes. Well, he ended up finding the body. He dove into the creek. He found Lester's body and was attempting to bring it to shore when the shark got him too. Oh, (laughs) yes. Yeah. The shark is a real jerk. Kind of like in Jaws. So he was bitten on his right thigh very severely. He bled to death at Monmouth Memorial Hospital. And Stillwell's body was actually not recovered until July 14th. They found it 150 feet upstream. And then the very last attack took place also on July 12th, about 30 minutes after the attacks on Stillwell and Fisher. And this was an attack on Joseph Dunn, who was 14, and he was down uh, at the Jersey Shore from New York City. He was swimming in the creek about a half a mile from Wyckoff Dock, where the other attacks took place, and a shark bit him on his left leg, but he was actually rescued by his brother and a friend, and they kind of played tug of war with the shark, and 
they were able to save him and save his life. So he recovered from the bite, but it took a long time. He didn't actually leave the hospital until September 15th. So fun summer vacation. Wow. Yeah. Um, and these three attacks in Matawan helped give the shark, the perhaps single shark perpetrator, the nickname the Matawan Maneater, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that could be a serial killer or <laughs> yeah. a shark or oh. a grizzly bear. Oh. So in the aftermath of these attacks, it was shark panic. <laughs> so after the first death, the very first one, so that was, uh, was it Charles Vassant? The Pennsylvania State Fish Commissioner, which, how do you get that job? I want to yeah, be the fish commissioner. Specific. Yeah, that'd be cool. The commissioner. <laughs> no. So he said that he thought the shark must have been going after Vasant's dog and bit him by mistake. And he said, quote, I do not believe there is any reason why people should hesitate to go in swimming at the beaches for fear of man eaters. Oh, he sounds like uh, Mayor Vaughn in Jaws for sure. Like the, yep. like the shark's going to differentiate between a dog and a person. Well, I'll get into why this whole thing was very shocking. Okay. Um, sh- very shortly. So after the second attack, though, especially in close succession. So the first one was on July 1st. The second one was on July 6th. Uh, this became a front page story. And they believe that these attacks cost new jersey businesses two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in 1916 money so that's 5.5 million dollars adjusted for inflation which is a lot yeah that's a lot so after the matawan attacks mayor arvis b henderson offered a 100 dollar reward in 1916 money again so that's more than two thousand dollars to anyone killing a shark in the creek so residents lined the creek with nets they set off dynamite in the water but no one caught a shark in matawan creek Actually, the federal government also got involved. So the House of Representatives appropriated money to help deal with apparently this pervasive shark problem that happened one time over a two-week period. (laughs) Um, You know, it's serious. Sharks like a supervillain. And Woodrow Wilson actually had a meeting to discuss the, quote, shark threat. I want to read the notes on that meeting. Armed shark hunters came to to New Jersey. They patrolled New Jersey and New York, and they captured hundreds of sharks in what they called the largest scale animal hunt in history. Yeah, it's. I'm just like staring at children right now. But on July 14th, so two days after that final attack, Michael Scheisler, he was a taxidermist from Harlem, and he was also a lion tamer for Barnum and Bailey. And he caught a seven and a half foot long, 325 pound shark in Raritan Bay, which is a few miles from the mouth of Matawan Creek. And the shark nearly sank his boat. Schleiser actually ended up killing it with a broken oar. Which, like, that should be in a movie, Yeah, right? no kidding. That's some, um, uh, that's some innovative thinking. Yep. Well, inside of the shark, they found 15 pounds of human remains. No! Yes. And this shark was a juvenile great white shark. Wow. Yeah. 
So obviously no one can be sure if this was the shark that killed the three people in Madawan Creek or if it was just one shark that killed all three of them. The idea of it being one shark is called the rogue shark theory, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, So it's basically like, I guess, a shark that has a taste for human flesh and just goes rogue. Uh, What if that shark's still out there? Wait, that'd be a long time. Never mind. Yes. Just (laughs) like a hundred something year old shark. It's got like a beer <laughs> um and one eye yeah so a lot of people think that the shark that attacked people in matawan creek is actually a bull shark because these sharks are more likely to be found in brackish waters and not just salt waters like the great white shark um yeah i remember uh learning a little bit about bull sharks back when in the oceanography program back when yeah. i was a nerd in high school oh what did they say to say stay away from them yeah watch out for those bull sharks that eat ya. yeah but they also said 1916 was apparently quote a shark year and there were just sharks and shark sightings all over is that just the like Jersey water Coast. temperature and like fish schools of fish and just a good eat eating time I, I feel like water temperature must be a big part of it i didn't really come across why yeah, but no, they did say it was a really hot summer okay so. so it was the year the predator must have been striking as well well yep. it was a predator <laughs> oh right yeah but the predator is on the other coast right it was yeah. la right so prior to these 1916 shark attacks the idea of sharks hurting anyone in the northeastern u.s along the coast was considered absurd <laughs> So in 1891, Herman Ulrichs, he was a millionaire, and he offered $500 for any authenticated case of a shark attack north of Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. And in early 1916, Frederick Lucas, the director of the American Museum of Natural History, said that he thought even the largest great white shark would not be able to sever the leg of an adult man. And he pointed to Ulrich's unclaimed reward as proof that sharks just don't attack people, um, at least not at the coast. And he said, quote, there is practically no danger of an attack from a shark about our coasts. And this was in 1916. So this was like months before a shark was like, hey, you talking shit about me? I'm going to come eat some people. (laughs) Wow. What what timing. Um, Yeah. So, yes, his quote did not age well. And after the Madawan man eater, he did come out and say that he was wrong. So, but it's just weird to think prior to this, there was essentially no fear of shark attacks on that coast because there were no shark attacks on that coast. And then me growing up there 80 years later, an ear to the water for sharks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Peter Benchley and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. It's all, all Steven Spielberg's fault. Yeah. All right. Well, I wonder if the, I didn't look into this, but like if the novel kicked off any shark fear, I'm, I'm sure it was really the film that did mm-hmm. it. In terms of and the just novel was, I think, number one New York Times bestseller for what it's worth. My dad read it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read yeah. it, but uh, I have read that, you know, the uh, they had to really refocus some of the script because there were, I, I heard that there were no real likable characters. So it's hard to, you kind of root for the shark. Yeah. But, and the mm-hmm. author was Peter Benchley mm-hmm. yeah. has said that the, those 19 16 attacks were not the direct inspiration for Jaws, but I think that, you know, the fact that they happened created this atmosphere, particularly in New England, where everything takes place, that 
shark attacks are a real threat. Right. Yeah. So. And I think we find that a lot with authors trying to distance themselves. From <laughs> I invented sharks. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. 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 I now I'm no longer just afraid of Bigfoot or tornadoes or sharknadoes. I'm afraid of sharks now. That's like right. Awful. I was just afraid of uh, giant alligators. I'm afraid of those too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't is know. For Lake, some reason, Lake Placid is that alligators or crocodiles? Uh, where does Lake Placid take place? No, no, it's 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 alligator. Right. No, there was like a movie called Alligator, and uh, it was like a kid flushed the little alligator down the toilet, and then it grew to be giant in the sewers. And I was like three yeah. years old, and I was afraid of alligators in the. That's Midwest. like an actual urban legend, but I thought it was in New York City, right? The alligators in the sewer. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like in my hometown in Illinois. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's some great, I think, uh, inspiration behind the, the story of Jaws, right? I mean, it's true to life. And uh, yeah. I guess the, the shark is the criminal here. And I also think the fact that things, although he's not the first victim, things really kick in when the little boy is killed. And I think when you have an innocent child who dies in such a really weird way, you get a lot of that public outcry. So, you know, after Lester Stilwell was killed, suddenly you get your reward money for killing sharks and people dropping dynamite into creeks. Yeah, which we'll see a scene similar to that in Jaws. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's great stuff. So we're going to chat about Steven Spielberg's Jaws here in just a second. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. So flash forward from 1916 and the true stories of the shark attacks to 1975 with Steven Spielberg's second feature film, Jaws. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty popular in terms of the pop culture consciousness. I think it was at the time the number one box office champion, actually of all time at that point, which was, wasn't beaten until Star Wars. Is that when they had that back and forth? Right. They had the back and forth and then it was like, congratulations. No, no, no. You congratulations. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cute story. I love it. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's pretty cool. So, you know, we're talking about the idea of uh, public officials sort of downplaying the impact of a shark for tourism purposes. That's similar to the story of Jaws where we see Roy Scheider who plays police chief Martin Brody kind of battling the mayor and the perception of the safety of the beach due to these shark attacks. When the shark attacks start happening with increasing frequency and it becomes a hunt for this great white shark that's a man-eater, child-eater, eats women, men, no dogs. Bikini killer. Oh, wait. That's a future episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's the teaser right there. Oops. (laughs) And drop a little uh, Easter egg for a future episode. But then after, you know, the threat becomes serious, they bring in ichthyologist Matt Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfuss who awesome yeah my favorite character no he's he's really great and uh they later on team up with quint the grizzled sea captain who has uh sort of a grudge against sharks which yeah, we'll talk I about don't blame him <laughs> yeah but yeah we'll we'll talk about his motivations here in a minute and then together brody hooper and quint all go on a quest to hunt down jaws yes <laughs> with uh, a great theme, great score by John Williams. Absolutely perfect. 
I feel like the score is one of those cases where it really changes the film. Yeah. It gives a lot of menace to the shark. And, you know, yeah. as a nature lover, I, well, not only nature lover, but also kind of a fan of monsters and movies, I oftentimes find myself have sympathy for the monster. In Jaws's case, I don't really feel sympathetic for Jaws, you know, specifically. Yeah, they do a, a good job. I feel like movies like King Kong and Godzilla, you know, the monsters in that are just misunderstood usually in most, most interpretations. Is that is that true? Is that fair? I think so. I just have Kong Skull Island on the brain because we just watched it. Right. But you know, the, those oversized animal inspired <laughs> monsters, Jaws does feel very different different while also we were discussing this as we were watching it but he still feels like a shark so we recently well not recently god was that more than a year ago when we watched the shallows yeah i think it was uh, last year sometime which which i i enjoyed sharks are scary (laughs) and you know i like being scared i watch horror movies (laughs) and the shark in that felt almost supernatural whereas this just kind of felt like a big shark so it did feel like you know man versus nature and sometimes in those movies you're not on the side of man (laughs) but in this movie you definitely are and no the score absolutely turns the shark villainous even from the beginning where you don't even see the shark you're just seeing the shark's perspective but that music playing in the background play in the background of anything and it'll make it terrifying yeah oh no no kidding and the interesting thing about the shark working so well is that it didn't it didn't work during filming they originally had planned for 59 shooting days and the movie turned out to take 159 days to film and that was primarily because the shark didn't work they built three mechanical sharks and they were named bruce there were two versions that each had the opposite sides cut out so that operators could work with them and then there was a fully skinned one but because it worked so poorly they had tested it into some water tanks worked fine so they went to martha's vineyard which is amity island in the film once they got in the salt water it promptly sank straight to the bottom (laughs) so there were problems like that all the time in fact bruce the shark the mechanical shark earned a nickname the great white turd (laughs) gosh because that's my nickname too oh wait (laughs) yeah but there's a really funny thing about bruce is that i grew up hearing stories of steven spielberg and some of his director pals and a lot of the collaborations but also some funny things that happened so spielberg had brought his friends martin scorsese george lucas and don milius to the visual effects facility where bruce was housed and george lucas was curious about how the shark worked so he put his head inside you know the shark's mouth was wide open so spielberg and milius thought it'd be funny to kind of activate the jaws a little bit to get it to move and what happened was the shark's mouth clamped down on george lucas's head and got stuck oh no so he was like trapped inside of the jaws mechanical shark's head for a couple of minutes until they were able to kind of get it get him out and then they all just kind of ran away and snuck out of the the facility because they thought they had maybe broken it oh yeah that's where he got the inspiration for the when they're flying out of the thing that's not a cave <laughs> yeah it could be yeah, yeah. chomp chomp yep <laughs> but yeah no i thought it was funny so you know there was almost another casualty which would have been george lucas Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. So just a couple of other fun things uh, about the movie is that, you know, we were talking about Jaws's, should we call it Jaws? Who? (laughs) The shark. The shark's first victim in Jaws. 
yes is a swimmer and it's the scene where this woman's swimming alone at night or she's not swimming alone at night she's she, oh, tried to get a boy she was interested in to get in the water with her but he passed out because he was too drunk right and then later on when they're searching for one of the the search party discovers her hand just it's her part of her arm yeah. And like, that's it. Well, it turns out they had built a prop and it didn't look good. So that's a real arm. That's someone buried in the sand. Uh, <laughs> oh and, her, and her arm's just kind of sticking out. And yeah. growing up, I thought that was really scary. And I think when we just watched it, I also commented that, you know, it really freaked me out. And you're like, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I didn't. I said that scene always freaked me out too. Oh, that yeah. whole opening sequence is just, whew. <laughs> yeah. I personally find Jaws to be terrifying. <laughs> Jaws is terrifying. It's, um, you know, there, you think of a handful of these award-winning horror movies that have been nominated and then won Academy Awards. And there really aren't a ton that have been nominated for Best Picture. Jaws is one. The Exorcist, Silence of the Lambs, The Sixth Sense, and Black Swan are the only horror movies so far that have been nominated for oh, Best wow. Picture. And Jaws did win three Academy Awards for Best Score, Editing, and Sound. So, I mean, 1975, a horror movie wins lots of awards, you know, and then it yeah. made everyone terrified of the water and of sharks. In fact, it made people so afraid of sharks that the year it came out, there was an immature pygmy sperm whale that got beached and people on the beach who were just hanging out thought it was a shark and beat it to death rather than help the poor little pygmy sperm whale back into the water. That's terrible. Why did you share that story? <laughs> because people are awful <laughs> and they deserve to be eaten by sharks. Oh, wait, no. That's it. <laughs> Team shark. <laughs> right? Oh, I hate those stories. Yeah. No, it's the worst. It's pretty bad. Yeah, I know. Awful. On that note, let's talk more about people getting eaten by sharks to, to make things better. So in Jaws, I was just saw that there were actually 21 people total that were eaten. Yeah, it's a, it's a real people eater. I know. I feel like I need to watch the movie again. That number seemed high to me, but it was some random person posted on Instagram, so it must be true, right? Yeah, it sounds like a lot. <sighs> so there's the swimmer in the beginning. There's the kid that in the like beach flea scene there's someone during the shark hunt right there's spoiler alert quint <laughs> uh that's four that's four people so far i'm gonna google it right now maybe no, i don't know maybe they're counting maybe the terrible sequels oh i bet i bet that's all i bet between all the jaws movies there's there's 20 people so yeah it doesn't it seems like there are a handful of people but not quite that many but i do like oh my oh. gosh they're saying in jaws one it's five people okay and one dog a he dog. does eat the dog oh they don't show that i guess you're meant to assume that he does when that guy is uh calling for the dog and you never see the dog come back i don't remember that the dog got eaten i didn't i did not says, i felt like the dog didn't get eaten there's probably a deleted scene where the little dog Jaws is swimming one, away. the original of six, five people and one dog. First is Chrissy Watkins. Second is Alex Kintner. Third is Ben Gardner. Fourth is unknown character sailing in the channel. So that must be when the shark is swimming into the pond. And then the fifth one is Quint. Oh, it's short one. I forgot that one. Yep. So right. it's, that's it's, actually pretty comparable to the real story. Yeah. It uh, Yeah, definitely. And If uh, it were inspired by that real story, which you never know. You never know. You definitely never know. I think to me, it's one of those perfect movies. And I think we were both talking about that. 
Yeah. Um, while we were watching it. And it's just so good. And for Spielberg's second feature film, he'd already done some TV movies. It's amazing. I mean, that movie is firing on every cylinder. And, you know, I've read that a lot of those limitations we are talking about with Bruce the Shark not working really allowed them to innovate and do the whole, like, build suspense more than show you every little thing. You know, the fact that, like, we're thinking, oh, there's so many death when there's really five. Five, yeah. I mean, I, re- I think really speaks to the, the, the impact of the movie. And, like, the just waterfall of blood. It's just so visual. Yeah, just the when the people get eaten from the water and it's kind of, like, being tugged down once and then tugged and then disappears. It's, like, so ingrained into my mind that, you know, swimming in the ocean so much growing up, you could just picture it happening to you know, yourself for the people you're with just sharks man even people go on those expeditions where they go in the shark cage no you you wouldn't do that no 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 well during that scene you know we were talking about whether or not that shark was real because it looked so real it does and that's because the shark is real ah uh it is a great white but it was not nearly the size of the of bruce so they did something interesting. They built a shark cage to a smaller scale. <laughs> and then they had a little person inside in order to make the scale appear, I guess, to whatever Hooper's <laughs> Hooper That's being in there. That's crazy. That really makes me want to watch it again and look for that. Yeah, well, the real-life Great White got so f- like excited that he kind of got s- stuck and then pulled off one of the walls of the cage. And he didn't injure the stunt person that was inside of there, but they wanted to do mo- other shots. And yeah. he said, no way. <laughs> yeah, I'd do the same thing. Yeah, so they used like a mannequin for some of the other pickup shots that they needed. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I wouldn't Ooh. do a shark cage. No. No. I mean, it's, you know, it seems interesting, but I don't think you would let me even if I wanted to. Do no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Divorce me first. <laughs> so I guess... Um, Besides the impact that this movie's had, it's a really great film. Yes, I think. absolutely perfect movie. Wouldn't change a thing. And if you haven't, if you have not seen Jaws, check it out. Yes, I don't. Fun. I don't think of many movies as perfect movies, and I would say Jaws is a perfect movie. <laughs> How about the sequel? We watched that right after we watched first Jaws. No, <laughs> I was telling my parents that in the sequel, I was rooting for the shark because everyone was so annoying, especially those stupid little teenagers. Well, and the shark looks really cool in the sequel because uh, he gets his face like half burnt off early <laughs> on, and then you've just got this scarred shark that looks like Phantom Zombie. of the sh- Shark Opera. Yeah. <laughs> So before we wrap it up, I do want to say my mom's Jaws story. Yeah. So my mom saw Jaws in theaters when she was in fifth grade and she had to go to the bathroom during the movie and was too afraid to go because she thought that there might be a shark in the toilet. (laughs) I don't Uh, think she actually thought that. It's like that irrational fear of anything with water right after seeing that movie which i totally understand oh me too yeah but to be fair she said i have to tell the story of my dad when he watched birds so he watched the birds the alfred hitchcock movie with his grandma and they had a bird feeder outside of the window and he was too afraid to walk by the window after watching the birds so he crawled under it on all fours oh oh. my parents are awesome yeah they are they're the best yeah. yeah those are great thank you for contributing to those stories you guys <laughs> let us tell those on on air yeah yeah pretty good that's good stuff i think this movie has created fears of all kinds 
for critters of all types and situations whether you know for you it was sharks for me it was like i don't know what did i say alligators yeah. uh, stupid like city Bigfoot. mayors <laughs> yeah. yeah right and um i think it just speaks to the the power of the movie i really thought that ghoulies would come out of the toilet personally but after seeing ghoulies so yeah <laughs> i'm just afraid of being flushed down the toilet like in street trash oh yeah that would be awful melting yeah. and then going down the toilet so if any of our listeners have stories about their impressions of seeing jaws and things that it made them afraid of i mean water and sharks but you know give us those stories give us any anything else and uh also other natural disaster movies or i guess animals gone amok evil animal movies we can chat about those as well yeah we want your stories yep Send us your stories. So that's Jaws, and that's the true story from 1916 of the shark attacks in the uh, the good old Northeast. Yep. My home state. Almost my hometown. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for uh, listening with us for this discussion, and we look forward to our next full episode, which we'll be teasing on Instagram as we do. Yep. No one got our Jaws one. I thought I was being so obvious, but maybe y'all are taking an Instagram breather for Shark Week. <laughs> Yep, they might, they might. <laughs> yeah. but yeah rate review subscribe etc instagram at based on a true crime twitter at true crime based facebook based on a true crime podcast gmail based on a true crime at gmail.com internet www.basedontruecrime.com yeah we're easy to find i think yeah hopefully they need to add more characters to twitter though so we can match everything it's the worst it's like one letter off <laughs> yeah. so close based Alas. on true yeah okay death is but a door time is but a window we'll be back our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too that's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.